Hello, and uh, welcome to the Hacking State Podcast. This is your host, Alex Mershak. With me today is Luca Cacciatore. 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 <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, brother. It's uh, it's good to have you on. Um, so I wanted to speak with you just about Christianity in America. And it's a little bit of an odd topic, um, but... We are in that time of the year. We're in the holiday season and Christmas is approaching. And there's a lot of questions that are lingering in people's minds about the culture, about the future of America, about demographic changes, about fertility. And religion is sort of one thread at the center of all of these questions. And the dominant religion in America still today is Christianity. And so I wanted to have you on because you're someone who's written a lot about the history of Christianity in America. Uh, you yourself are a Christian. And um, I thought maybe it would be a good timely episode um, to have a discussion about, about it. So to get started, um, how do you think about the decline of Christianity in America? Because it's projected to be less than 50% affiliation of Christianity uh, in the near future. Yeah, well, um, in some ways it's really unique, and in some ways it's it's not so unique because American history is kind of full of ups and downs of religion. A lot, a lot of people um, might be unfamiliar with this, but at, at the country's founding, we were not um, we were kind of in a, a slog uh, religiously. Uh, we weren't mm. a particularly exceptionally religious country. Um, it, among the more lay people, it was more common to be religious. And we, we, of course, had the dominance of cultural Christianity that was everywhere, including with our founding fathers. But actual church-going rates, actual uh, self-identification uh, with religion was on the decline, uh, for sure. Um, and it was, it, it was in, it, it's kind of odd, because um, about 30 years before we had the first great awakening, which kind of uh, ju jump started um, religiosity in the country. Um, it wouldn't be until the second great awakening, which um, was about 10 to 15 years after um, the founding, that we would really see Christianity in America reach new heights. Mm. Um, so in the, in the first great awakening, you saw a lot of uh, Calvinist uh, revival. Those are, uh, you know, people that believe in predestination, this type of stuff. Um, and, you know, Jonathan Edwards would be an example of that. Um, uh, mostly coming out of the Puritan already, who already existed in the North, the Puritans, um, kind of trying to revive that type of culture. Uh, with the Second Great Awakening, you have the, you have new theology that actually develops with the holiness movement. Uh, as people like John Wesley and, um, you know, you get you get a lot of uh, uh, new hymns and songs that come out of there. Um, you get the development of the Methodist churches and uh, things like that. Um, and that's really when you see American religiosity go to new highs. I mean, you, like, for example, um, I remember I remember somewhere I don't have the source with me, but I remember somewhere that um, the church attendance rate at the founding uh, was around 20 to 25%. Um, mm. By the time of 
the second great awakening in a little bit into it, it jumps upwards of 80 to 90. Um, that is, that's not small. That's actually extremely substantive. And it's no wonder that, um, you know, the American system and the American culture was able to thrive in that environment. Um, that's a lot of order that is mm. uh, being you know, pumped into the system. A lot of order that you don't really you don't really need to enforce it's just people that are organizing themselves in these uh church communities so and the time period for the second great awakening is what like the antebellum era uh so no it, it would be more before that it'd be uh, 1790 to 1840 okay oh well yeah. so, okay so within the the antebellum would be like sure, a subset yeah, yeah. Of it. yeah okay sure yeah 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 the and then the first the first would be around the uh 1720s to like 1750 got it um, got it yeah okay the yeah period in, the period in between is when the country's founded <laughs> so yeah. yes um i mean a lot of my familiarity with with american culture and society at that time actually comes out of tocqueville's democracy in america mm -hmm. where he's mm -hmm. describing you know i think 1820s or 1830s america mostly um I forget what, what are the exact dates that he was traveling through America, but, um, you know, one of the prominent things was the church as an institution, not just for religious practice and uh, observance and gathering, but actually as like a core social institution for the fabric of society, you know, churches yeah. themselves were, were used and they still are in, in some parts of America for all kinds of social, um, and uh, community-oriented activities that are not that were not you know explicitly religious in nature, but the church became a sort of um, a pillar of the community in terms of organizing different kinds of events. And um, you know, when Tocqueville talks about American society, he really does talk about these social organizations as the core of American civic life and the reason why America ended up. Um, and there's some interesting histories on this later on going into the late 19th and early 20th century, these civic organizations allowed Americans to collectively um, organize in a very spontaneous way that was very bottom up and not top down. And that was something extremely powerful that is very hard to replicate. And it's something people constantly want to replicate, but they don't really have an, uh, an answer to how, um, hmm. how do we exactly do that? Do we, uh, recreate the sort of environment that would have allowed that to happen um in the 17 or 1800s and um for, for a lot of my life i thought maybe that is the answer maybe we do try to replicate it in such a way but i'm not i'm not as convinced that that's possible um because it's the really religion wasn't the only factor that contributed to this of course it was also common ancestry it was also um a ge geography and uh, specifically techno technology. Uh, we were less technologically advanced. Uh, people didn't live in ivory towers. And uh, most people were farmers or craftsmen or doing like very remedial jobs. And it was easier for people to uh, organize together uh, in a bottom-up way than it might be today. Um, I, I think that, you know, if we, if we were trying to do something similar today, you might need to you might need to talk about like the internet and how the internet would have an effect on this. Um, people are creating communities now through the internet. I mean, they're almost mm -hmm. everywhere.
Um, so maybe there's maybe there's some way to create spontaneous order with internet communities or something. But yeah, I I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, but uh, I guess staying on the theme of Christianity in America and you know religiosity, um, one of the interesting questions that you might ask, since there was a large surge in religious at least behavior, I don't know if you count that as religiosity per se, but I don't know what else you would use. Um, what what are the potential causes of that? Is something it's just an interesting, you know, sociological and anthropological question to ask. Like if if church attendance goes up from twenty five percent, as you said earlier, to something like ninety percent, well, that just didn't that didn't just happen because people woke up one yeah. day and decided to go to church. There were a series of things that occurred yeah. that made the culture more religious in that period of time. The biggest thing was circuit riders didn't exist until people started doing it. Uh, and circuit riders were people that would use the trains. So uh, you need trains to exist for any of this to be possible. They would mm -hmm. jump on the trains and they would travel across the growing, uh, growing in population continent that is the United States. And they would, you know, set, set a, uh, set, um, a box down, you know, jump on the box and start preaching. And people would either, cause they're working a job outside. Uh, they would be like, Hey, what's this guy talking about? They go over, they'd hear a guy give a sermon. And usually they were pretty fiery and pretty engaging. Uh, and it, it was something new that they'd never seen before. And they thought it was interesting. And um, th this happened a ton. I mean, John Wesley was was one of those people that really did it. But um, also also his friend, um, uh, George Whitfield. George mm -hmm. Whitfield was extremely influential with his circuit riding. I mean, he he probably more than anybody uh, really captivates the American spirit. Um, and, and he he was a, a Welsh guy, I believe. Um so you should, you know, coming over with these with these ideas about holiness and, and things like this. Um, but it was just the way that he was presenting this stuff that was new and original. Um, and I think that 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 in and of itself was was a big was a big thing. Uh, Christians were some of the first people to actually utilize the um, the railroads and the 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 shortening of distance and the shortening of of, of time. Uh, that was created with the creation of the railroads uh, to spread the gospel. And um, it worked for that period. It was right place, right time. Um, also there, there, there is, and this is before the advent of like actual convictional methodologically materialist atheism, where it just takes over the entirety of the world. Um, before that, the really the, the 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 decline of religion was not so much tied to scientific advancement as it was ideology. Mm. In this case, the Enlightenment uh, and liberalism and things like that. Uh, so where liberalism peaked is also where deism and these other types of um, ideas peaked. Um, it was less tied to uh, hard sciences, you know, like evolution or these types of things that people question today. So I think people still deep down kind of longed for spirituality. And the reason I say that is because even the deists were deeply culturally Christian. I mean, you just right. read everything that they say and they're it's almost like they're trying to grasp at 
whatever faith is left for them. It was this kind of, um, distant, uh, uh, God who was providential, but not actually relational. Um, so they still, they still kind of yearn for something, I think. Um, yeah, well, later on, it... and, and this, this kind of goes right. back to why I, so I'm sorry, this kind of goes back to why I think religion, the state of religion today is different, um, mm. in a lot of ways, but yeah. Okay. So, well, so it's interesting. You delineated some of the, um, I guess, technological or scientific advances that have become affiliated with the decline in religion um, and how they differ from the past. Um, I, I thought it was interesting, though, that you brought up the railroads as a catalyst for the spread um, of religiosity, because prior to that, you had mentioned that, you know, the technology was sort of an antagonist. And so it seems like technology could go either way in terms of helping or um or harming the the spread of religiosity and maybe it's just up to um you know religious people to decide how they want to utilize it yeah yeah i think it really i guess depends on the technology i think that um um that it not all are created equal some things can really benefit christians some things might not um it's yet to be seen if the internet as it exists is uh is is beneficial for the gospel or isn't i mean there's just there's a lot of problems like that we might not even be paying attention to like there's so many parasocial relationships that are created on the internet is that really conducive to church building and community building um i've known people that have used the internet to create churches um, but I've known even more people that have used the internet to apostatize and leave the faith. Uh, so right. it's, it's, it's really, you know, um, a give and take here. Um, but that's also why I think that the state of Christianity today and, and how it relates to the culture, I think is like fundamentally different in a lot of ways. Um, the, the rise of science and that has, has posed a serious threat. And a lot of people like to push that to the side, but it is a serious threat yeah and it hasn't been addressed by the church at all. Um, and that's why people are leaving. I mean, it's really simple. Um, if you ask them, they'll tell you that, you know, it's, this isn't a mystery. It's not like a lot of Christians, I think, like to think that it's something deeper, like they hate God or something. No, I mean, they don't believe in God. Why, why, how could they possibly hate him? Um, so it, it's, it really is connected to that. And it's not one of these things, you know, where, where in the past it would ebb and flow and there might be a massive uh, upsurge because of a great preacher or something. Uh, people's assumptions are different. People's assumptions are now formed by uh, academia and these types of things. So hmm. uh, there needs to be, there needs to be, I think, a serious engagement by Christians on very difficult uh, topics and uh, a ability to, um, bring all, because there has been an, a, numerous, uh, findings, you know, within, within Christian, the Christian sphere of, uh, the, the academy on the Bible and its world, the context of the Bible, uh, biblical hermeneutics, you know, mm -hmm. types of things that are important for justifying the Christian faith. We need to find a way to, uh, you know, actually facilitate that to normal people. So normal people can start talking about this and, uh, you know, specifically prevent people from, from leaving. Um, yeah. So. Well, what's interesting to me, I guess, is that, you know, it's not as if Christians and Christian organizations have 
not participated in developments on the internet. It just seems to me as if for whatever reason, they haven't been very successful at getting the messaging correct. So one example of this is Christian media, right? Like Christian films. Um, there's a lot of effort that's put into creating alternative media to, you know, what Hollywood spits out at people that is, you know, based in people's Christian faith and Christian ideals about how to live life. The problem is that it, it, it is almost never successful on, on the market, right? And so, um, you know, maybe maybe it's cope to say that, uh, you know, the, the, the market itself is somehow antithetical to those values, but maybe it means that for whatever reason, Christian messaging just hasn't figured out how to actually play in this new competitive sphere. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is, I mean, that is one of the things, right? There is a case to be made that it might be antithetical. Um, the early church, you know, I'm um, thinking of Hippolytus and Hippolytus's church order. There's a number of things that, you know, we would think it'd be okay for Christians to be involved in that the early church was not okay with. I mean, going to the games, that's not just gladiatorial games. That's also like chariot racing, things that are not necessarily violent. They were seen as distractions mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, potentially um, something you could be kicked out of the church for. Uh, so there, there, there is a unfortunate, um, I think, combination of the world with the church today. And uh, a lot of people see that. That's another reason for uh, people leaving is, is that the church doesn't really have its own self-identity. It's not able to set the tone and set the lines of the culture. It's kind of always running, um, running in the background. So um, but but in regards to in regards to the Internet and, and Christian, you know, Hollywood and these types of things, um, it's it seems like it it, it kind of and maybe I'm wrong, but tell me if you agree with me. It seems like it kind of peaked in like the late 2000s. And since then, it's been yeah. con conservative media and conservative, you know, these types of conservative things that have like taken its place um, and, and are trying to, you know, appeal to the same type of people, but not with you know, a Christian message really just kind of with like a political conservative message. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a period definitely in early 2000s. I remember where e even Christian music was like mainstream, oh, yeah. right? Christian and, and metal was everywhere. Yeah. 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 And like now it's sort of, um, you know, people are like, what is that even? Like no one listens to that. Uh, no one would <laughs> even know what that is. Um and, you know, maybe it was vulgar, maybe, and, and by vulgar, I just mean like common, yeah. like maybe it wasn't like the highest um, form of music. <laughs> You're talking about like Creed and Switchfoot and whatever, but like <laughs> yeah. uh, under oath. But, um, but a lot of those guys, like a lot of those guys left the faith, a ton of them. Mm -hmm. um, when I think of the, you know, Christian bands that I was into in my youth, like under oath and as I lay dying and Switchfoot you know, two of those three are not even Christian anymore. And there's countless other examples of mm. that. And it, it's because of this, this, uh, this trying to appeal to the culture thing without actually be rooted in having a self identity. Um, so, so there, it, it, this brings, you know, innumerable challenges to Christians. How do we utilize technology without having it basically utilize us? You know, how, how do we, how do we, um, put our convictions through these new kind of like planes and have them not manipulate how we think and act. Yeah. And, um, uh, 
you know, there there might be lessons to have, you know, in early and how the early um, uh, American uh, reformers and 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 uh, circuit riders were able to do it. Um, but it is like the internet is different than than a than a locomotive. You know, the internet is. is... <laughs> I'm going to make that a quote for the episode. Yeah. The internet is great. different than a locomotive. Yeah, but it, that's great. Uh, but but I, it, it is. I mean, the internet talks back to you literally. Like people mm-hmm. can, uh, where you know, a locomotive is just kind of like a plane. Like you hop on it, and then you go to your destination, so you can do what you want to do. When you're on the internet, you hop on it, and then other people can fight back against you. You know, other people can tell you you're stupid, and they might be right. Maybe you are like wholly, uh, you know, not prepared for certain things that come at you. And uh, Christians need to have answers for that. Yeah, one other possibility, you know, besides trying to sort of co-opt mainstream culture is that they just play the long game, right? And uh, I'm thinking specifically here about about fertility, about Christian fertility rates and the fertility rates of other um, religious minorities in the U.S., um, which are higher than, you know, secular and nuns and atheists and all the others, you know, by, by like a good margin, even though they're not great, um, they are reproducing, you know, better <laughs> than those other groups. Um, so that's one, uh, and I know it's not the most Christian message, like Christians, they don't want to leave a bunch of people behind. But one one possibility is that they just, you know, quote unquote, win the culture mm-hmm. by being the only people left. Uh, yeah. because no one else is having kids no you're right i mean this is i mean eric you're totally probably familiar with eric kaufman's work on this um you know shall the religious inherit the earth mm. um he's talked a lot about this and um, i think that i i'm not it's not that i'm super skeptical because i mean the data is there uh the question really that you have to ask is okay will the <laughs> Will people leaving the faith, will it not exponentially increase? Because because if it stays the same, I think we're good. If it exponentially increases, which is certainly possible because it has, you know, over the last 100 years, uh, at, at some points exponentially increased, um, then we might have problems because, you know, so, so many people will be leaving the faith that it won't even matter. Um, uh so one example is Mormons. Um, Mormons used to be above the fertility rate compared to the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're a kind of like more closed off group. They have their own geographic distribution compared to other Christians. Um, they were able to do this. Well, now, I mean, they're kind of normalizing. They're kind of becoming like every other white person uh, in America. And they're they're. Um, fertility rate i think is like 1.8 or something it's or one point i think it's 1.9 uh which is which is slightly better than than the rest of the country which is around like 1.6 1.7 still below replacement not still below replacement still below replacement and really the only you know the only big group that we can talk about that is that is well above replacement are the amish Mm -hmm. and um and this kind of gets back to what I was saying <laughs> earlier about, you know, is technology um, misanthropic or not? I mean, for, for the Amish certainly think it is. And uh, they're the only ones that are kind of surviving this whole uh, birth crunch. Um, 
their fertility rate is fine. I'm not specifically sure uh, the exact number, but it's it's not even close to a problem. Uh, so, so if you want to see like what is what does American Christianity look like in a hundred years? Um, well, conservative evangelical Protestantism will still exist. It, it, it's yeah. It's it's not in an apocalyptic state. I I think it's a little bit below replacement, but it's really not that bad. Mormons will still exist, but they'll definitely there, there's going to be some exponential change there. They're they're going to take a hit. Um, liberal Protestantism will probably just completely go extinct, um, and that doesn't even even if the <laughs> that that's going to happen even if the birth rate problems uh, change. Uh, people are just leaving it so much uh, that that it you know it's going to go extinct. It'll probably if if the birth rate problems change, it'll probably be around a little bit longer, but really not that much longer. So, um, but what we're looking at really in America is like a permanent 20% of the country, kind of like the founding, actually, like a permanent 20, 20 to 25% of the country that attend church regularly that are religious. Um, and that has been the case for the last 20 years, uh, really like 20 to 25% of the country, um, attend church weekly, are you know devotionally christian um and that really has that's kind of been stagnant you know it's really been the people uh that attend, attend church monthly or every other week or these types of things that have fallen off within mm. the last uh 20 years uh which is most self-identified christians most self-identified christians don't attend church weekly most self-identified christians um, you would probably say they're more than a cultural christian in their in their devotion to the faith but they're not they're not as dedicated as someone who, you know, is like a part of the church and attends it regularly. So those people are, are uh, leaving the faith rapidly um, and also not reproducing as much. Um, so the, the future of Christianity does look different, um, but in some respects might look pretty similar. Um, it depends what you consider a Christian. Do you, cons do you consider a Christian, for example, someone who attends church weekly? Um, if you consider it somebody who attends church weekly, um, then it might look pretty similar. If you consider it somebody who just identifies as a Christian, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, in their public life, uh, then it's going to look a lot different. You're going to be yeah, a minority. Well, that's I just, I don't put a lot of stake in identity. So I think okay. I just look at that behavior and if they're not following the behaviors of a Christian, then, yeah. uh, I don't really care what you tell me. Like yeah. you can tell me, you're, <laughs> you know, you're from Mars. Um, I agree. But, I agree. Uh, but that, and, but that's interesting. I'm that's saying interesting. this as, as someone who's not who's not an actual Christian. Like I, sure, you know, sure. I, I have no dog. But in it's this a fight. natural thing. I mean, that's how you get rid of the the inauthentic people, right? I mean, in your mm -hmm. in your in your life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, twenty to twenty five percent. I mean, that's been the case. And a lot of people have talked about this, but that's been the case for like twenty years. That those have been the people that consistently go to church. They consider themselves evangelical a lot of the time. Um. And it it seems like it's pretty stagnant. It's only gone down a little bit. Um, so, and if the if the you know Eric Kaufman's work is correct, then that will stay stagnant or even increase in the future. So that's so it, it, there is there is some sense in American Christianity that it will just kind of be what it is for a long time. Um, but like we were saying, there's another sense in which there's going to have some serious problems. Um, culturally specifically and how it influences the rest of the country. 
I am I am just curious as a young Christian man yourself. Uh, I mean, what is your insight into why people are leaving the church? My insight's mostly that it is related um, that it is related to to how we engage the world. Um, because I think we engage the world on, on all the wrong things and we disengage on all the wrong things. Uh, what I mean by that is we're, we're so <laughs> culturally entangled uh, with the world when it comes to our uh, sexual ethics, when it comes to basically all of our ethics um, and our anthropology, how we view how humans relate to each other. Uh, we just kind of uh, adopt, you know, uh, the anthropology of whatever country we're in. Um, it, it, more often than not, a liberal anthropology um, instead of instead of like an anthropology that's like rooted in community, that's rooted in the church, that's rooted in um, something that's 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 a lot less individualistic. Um, so I, I I I think that that's a problem. But then we like don't engage like obvious things like like science, like evolution, like these types of things, which Christianity has nothing to say about because it's not a science textbook. I mean, there's no reason why we have to read the Bible like a methodological modern. When it's not, that's not what it's saying. I mean, like, um, there's great work by John Walton on this about, about, uh, you know, the Old Testament in its world and interpreting it in its world. And um, you don't, you don't arrive, you know, at certain scientific answers that, that they weren't asking and, and they weren't answering. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, we're, we're, I think we're, in, we're engaging the world in all the wrong ways and we're disengaging it in all the wrong ways. Uh, there needs to be like a realignment of of what it means to be a Christian. I think one that's more that's more embodied. One that's mm -hmm. more has to do with living the faith out. I think. Yeah, what's interesting? It's always interesting to me, to me to hear people talk about the discrepancies between Christianity and science because you're right. Like, very little of Christianity has really anything to say about science or evolution. I mean, certain certain fundamentalist views on protestantism do but mm -hmm. those are not at all the mainstream and if you look at a lot of really um well-known scientists i mean it's not it's definitely not a majority or even a plurality but there are a few there are like very notable cases of very dedicated very competent well-known scientists who also had a strong faith in their private life mm -hmm. and you know and, and also for those of you who are more familiar with the history of of natural science and philosophy of science you know the scholastics uh pursued their understanding of nature because they perceived untangling the puzzle of nature as untangling the plans of god and so yeah. our entire scientific um our entire scientific endeavor is actually at least historically innately tied to this question of of knowing God, of becoming closer to God through our understanding of nature. And it really has always just kind of like astounded me and made me a little bit like uh, grossed out the way in which particularly the new atheist movement was able to sort of tie science to atheism in this way that never made any sense to me. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. particularly through arguments about evolution and so forth. Um, it's just and it's completely not, absurd. Not, and, and by I'm the not, way, not only does yeah. Science doesn't say anything about God. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's incapable, absurd. kind of like fundamentally incapable of it in a lot of ways. 
Um, yeah, and it's not to say there's this like Kantian divide or anything. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's to say that they're just asking and answering different questions. Um, I mean, it, it's it, the the Bible says that God forms us in the womb. Everybody knows that that's not you know talking about God literally you know getting in there and literally doing it like like people understand that intuitively that this is like a this is a, a way that we are describing God's creative action uh, in the you know replication of meiosis and stuff like we, we understand that like this is what's happening here um and they didn't even know about meiosis and all this stuff they're just right. they're just speaking about uh really the quality of what's happening not the 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 actual events and the actual specifics the science behind it so there's ways to talk about um for example creation in a similar way and that's how creation i think is talked about in the bible it's talked about um it's the difference, you know, as Walton talks about the difference between a house story and a home story. When somebody asks you about your home, you don't tell them about uh, the the bricks and the layers and how it was constructed by the builders when they had the building. No, you tell them about the different rooms in your house and what they mean to you and how they play into the bigger picture of your home and what it means to be a human in that specific place. So it's it's just they're just asking different questions. And but Christians think that they're asking the same questions. You talked about how fundamentalists are um, the ones that really hold this, and it's not. But but the pride they, they've had an outsized influence, I think, on on Christianity at large. Um, and and I think people are developing this false misconception that you must kind of like believe this certain thing to be a Christian or or something like that. Um, when you know, young Earth creationism, these types of things weren't even. <laughs> didn't really even exist until the 1920s and uh but that's a whole other whole other thing to talk about um we were talking a little bit earlier about the great awakenings there's actually two more um you know most people would say there's one more but i think there's two more um there's the third great awakening which was at the end of the 19th century kind of into the 20th century and that's where you get some of the it's actually where my church comes out of that's where you get the restoration movements, kind of like back to the Bible type people um, who 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 really stress that. And the eschatology becomes a big thing for people. So like the rapture, like this type of stuff, mm-hmm. um, people start to pay attention to, to revelation and prophecy. Uh, there's a lot of good and bad, in my opinion, that comes with that. Um, people are probably mostly familiar with the bad stuff like false prophecies and people dying. And <laughs> yeah, like it can, it can get pretty dark. Um, a lot of cults and stuff came out of the third grade awakening. Um, and then the fourth, you could, you could say the fourth really was, and this is wh- where I want to talk about with you a little bit. Um, the, the uh, evangelical revolution of the sixties, mm-hmm. the sixties into, I want to say like the eighties, mostly the eighties yeah. is what yeah, we usually right. associate it with that. Um, that was profound. And um, like the other Great Awakenings, had a lot of political consequence. Uh, the evangelical revolution propelled Reagan to victory. Um, it propelled kind of a, an entirely new uh, form of political Christianity into the public consciousness. And it really stayed with us up until the 2000s, I want to say. Um, you know, I kind of grew up with that, with that superstructure still existing. Mm. Um yeah, well, yeah, it, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's still politically very influential for sure. Sure. 
Sure. Um, definitely, you know, people talk about it reflecting in our uh, U.S.-Israel policy, which we we won't go into right now. But... Oh, absolutely. No, but absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yeah. 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 It's basically evangelicals behind that. Um, and um, so it's it, it's still definitely a force, uh, especially in certain re like, you know, the South and so forth. Um, but um you know, I, I think the issue really is that, like, in order for there to be um, a future, they have to still be capturing the minds of young people. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know all the details of why the evangelical movement took off. Maybe it was a response to sort of the cultural and sexual revolution in the 60s. That would make sense to me. Um, but well, it was in part also utilization of new planes like like the circuit riders did it was right. the utilization of uh Radio specifically television video yeah that's where you yeah. get the televangelist right the, right and uh who captivated you know single mothers everywhere right so so <laughs> really so really the, the the thing is figuring out how to use these new tools right like where yeah. is the where are the the televangelists of the internet i mean i'm sure they're out yeah. i'm sure there are large Sure. You know, Christian sure. YouTubers or, or whatever, but um, but that's exactly the not problem. culturally. It's, they're it's, not culturally very salient, right? But the the problem here is that a YouTuber, first of all, um, has to organically develop an audience. They're not going to get put on a station that is just going to exist for millions of people to watch, and they also have to deal with responses. Like people often, especially everyone knows in the late 2000s the rise of like atheist channels on youtube and stuff mm -hmm. they would spend 90 percent of their time railing against christian uh creators on on the same platform or televangelists outside of it um and they were compelling to a lot of young people i mean in a lot of ways the left as we understand it today and even a lot of the alt-right and stuff find their roots in like uh atheist and skeptic youtubers that kind of made the jump over to political content later. Um, so I think that, I think that the, 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 and this is the problem for Christians in the internet is you have to deal with people fighting back. It's not, it's not a one way street. It's not, like I said, it's not a locomotive and it's, it's also not TV. It's different than that. You have to deal with actual uh, arguments and the logos of things, you know, and I think we are able to do that. It's just a matter of finding people capable that uh, also want to spend the time making video content. And, you know, there are examples of people that, that are doing this. Inspiring philosophy um, is a big one. He's on Twitter and he's everywhere and he debates people all the time. Um, and uh, Mike Winger is another one. He's a very popular one. So people are doing it. And, um, those two examples are successful examples of people that are doing it. Um, it's just not enough to say there's like a movement or something yet. I, th I think it might, it might happen. Um, yeah. But I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit skeptical that there's enough capable people to, to really engage that type of stuff. I, I think the other thing, at least for, you know, I, I won't speak about young women, um, at least for young men, both of us uh, are young men or whatever recently young men <laughs> i just turned 30 so i don't know that's still oh, yeah, you're a young guy come on but dude. uh yeah. but you know it is this this issue of engagement with the world it's like there are so many other uh i guess distractions or opportunities or temptations that are out there for a yeah. young person to go after 
that are available yep. that are easily available not only in the internet but also just broadly in life uh, these days that i think part of the issue is christians and christian messaging hasn't figured out how to find something compelling to give young men as an alternative and i'm only going to speak mm -hmm. about young men because i don't know what to say about young women um you're right it's i think the obvious answer this is what i'm trying to 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 help with is providing a moral foundation and moral framework for people's actions like in like an actual way to live your life differently than everybody else that although it's different people people just can't help but notice how virtuous it is and can't help but notice how reliable uh you are as a christian man and i think i think that that listen muslims are doing it you see andrew tate you see all these other people um it, stoicism is making a comeback why is christianity not here as well why is christianity not providing that for for young men and um uh, you know, I, I, you see in some corners, it, it seems like Christianity as it stands today is kind of the, among kids, among the youth, is kind of the um, unique, um, unique plane for people that are interested in like, I don't know, doctrine or theological debates about like, you know, basically useless things, nothing that can actually be embodied, nothing that can actually be um, taken into, into real life and applied and with churches that could be established. Um, so when people think of Christianity uh, uh, nowadays, I think they, they think of, you know, like a Twitter uh, Catholic or something. Um, somebody who is, 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 you know, not particularly interested in actual embodied faithfulness. So that's why you see, you know, Andrew Tate, for example, that's why you see these people, I think, drift towards Islam. Um, or other things like other philosophies like stoicism and these types of things. Um, but Christianity is, is prepared to do that as well. And I think prepared better than most religions, because unlike Islam, um, Christian morality isn't jurisprudential. Christian morality is, um, is far different than that. It's much, it's much more uh, ethical. It's much more concerned on ethical questions and, and in some ways, consequential ethical questions. Um, and and it's different than stoicism too because we see room for pleasure we don't we don't see pleasure as inherently a bad thing mm. um so moderation is is a virtue in christianity for one um but I, I don't know it just doesn't like do you see these types of people that are that are <laughs> on on social media that are that are really stressing i guess the the morality aspects well, of the faith just, i i just i just know? think that I, I think that men need something more than just moral moralizing moralism sure. like they actually need something epic to be aspiring towards and yeah. so giving them a christian example of that um i think would do a lot to get young men to come over to the faith or to not leave the faith because they look at it and they just see it as kind of like stuffy and overbearing and you know conf conf confining rather than um expansive and um yeah. i can understand why something like islam at least superficially would um would resonate more just because you have this this concept of um of like the inner war and the outer war and it's very masculine in that yeah. sense um and christianity hasn't had something like that in its essence 
uh, at least in its rhetoric, sorry, rather than essence, in its rhetoric for a very long time. I think that's true, yeah. I didn't even think of that, but I think you're right. Um, and just, just trying, I guess, trying to um, explain that, I mean, there's, I mean, there's just, there's different flavor, right? You have like your pacifistic Christianity, mm. um, which you can frame in, I guess, an epic way as well. I mean, you can frame martyrdom in an epic way like they used to used to do in the first century about how it's like the ultimate expression of rejection of of uh, so-called authority and and uh, and uh, submitting yourself to true authority. So kind of this like epic thing. Um, and then you have, of course, like the Christendom type type of way of going about it, which is uh, which is, you know, like crusades and that type of stuff where you, you see people that that idolize that some uh, among kids these days as well. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. Right. It's because of like what you were saying, like this like epic drive for like epic uh, things and vitality. Specifically. Yeah, I, I think men want intensity. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. Just talking, I mean, moderation is good, but if you're just talking about, you know, moderation and going sure. to church every week and, and so forth, like it, especially to like a young guy who's like full of testosterone and energy and wants something yeah. to do with their life, like it doesn't strike them as, um, at least that's how I felt about it when I was younger. Um, yeah. You know, well, I, I think you're, and this is a little bit of what I was trying to get at, like, it needs to be embodied, like this whole thing where it's just like some doctrinal thing that you disagree with on the internet or whatever. But and and, and but that kind of gets back to maybe my criticism of uh, people that are trying to restore epic Christianity as it exists today is is they don't embody any of it. You know, it's just like kind of like, like it's not enough to just make memes about like, you know, the exactly, or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, it's just like weird musings on the Internet. Like, there's no actual substance. I mean, I, I'm in, I'm personally interested in people that are like building stuff specifically like uh, uh, it, it, Doug Wilson and in, 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 uh, Moscow, Idaho. There's other examples of Catholic groups that are doing stuff in the middle of the country. Like these are interesting things that you can literally move and be a part of that are happening right now. Um, and, you know, people, yeah, I get you, the culture on the internet, it's important, but it's, it's really like, it's not going to lead people to the kingdom. It just isn't uh, in the way that these, these people are, you know, these groups I just explained are doing it. Um, but, but you know, I mean, and, and listen, the, specifically Moscow, I'm more familiar with them. They're very big on the whole epic thing. I mean, that's that's a big part of what they're doing. And it's it's no coincidence that they're successful in what they're doing. Um, but they also live it out. I mean, to them, it's not propositional. To them, it's like actually how they live um, and how they go about their lives. So um, you need to, I guess you need to combine it with with a sort of, a, uh, you know, actual, actual way of living. And um you know, for me, as someone who's more inclined towards um, nonviolence and stuff, uh, what that means is, uh, you know, giving up, giving up, I guess, sort of like violent tendencies that I might have from my youth or something. Um, and, and, you know, seeking other, seeking other ways of going about it, but it can be radical. I mean, anything can be radical if you frame it in a way, you know, <laughs> I guess you could say, but that's the problem. I think, I think the problem is we don't even try to frame Christianity, uh, whichever expression we're talking about in, in a, in an epic or radical way, because it's so feminine. Um, it's, it's not, it, 
it, it's not trying to even appeal to at the end of the day, it's not trying to appeal to to men that are that are oriented in that way. Um, it's mostly trying to appeal to women. Yeah, well, I, I guess that's sort of um, something to consider working on. Um, yeah, that's the whole seeker sensitive church, all that. So yeah, yeah. Um, well, um, Luca, it's been great catching up and uh, yeah. talking yeah. about Christianity in America. Um, Christmas is coming up around the corner. Uh, any thoughts uh, for people to just consider or contemplate or even, I guess, pray about um, over the over the holiday? Mm. Well, for well, I'll say a couple of things. First of all, it, it might sound cheesy. Uh, be with your family. If, if you're living in an in apartment across the country, try to find a way to like see your family, right? Not just your friends, but like your family. Mm. Try to go out of your way to do that. Uh, try to go to a church service. I mean, it, it nine times out of 10, it's it's those types of holiday experiences that, that might actually get you back in church um, because those are the only times you're going to go otherwise. So uh, try to do that. Um, also, also, you know, pray for the country, the state of the, the country right now, because um, I, I don't think that religion necessarily is going to get us out of it. I don't know what's going to get us out of this. M nothing might get us out of this, but the church will still exist. And, uh, you know, people, I think the American people will still exist too. So I think we, we need to pray for that as well. Um, that's, all right. That's what, that's what I got. <laughs> yeah. Where, where can people find you, uh, to read or learn more about, uh, sure. work? I mostly do uh like hard news stuff now. Um mm -hmm. so I have a muck a muck rack like journalist page about that. Um but if you want to read some of my opinion stuff which covers a little bit of Christianity America, um specifically like the Puritans, I had a piece on on uh, the rise of liberal Christianity in, in the Puritan North. You can find new uh, that on my link tree, which is in my Twitter page, which is just my name, Luca H. Cacciatore, um, just to make it um to make it easier you can find it there it's under new conservatives so it's an old blog i had all right great well thank you so much for coming on and merry christmas yeah man merry christmas